Well, good morning, everyone. For those I haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor of New Hope Church. Uh, We're a multicultural church that loves to share the hope of Jesus, the hope of community, and the hope of new life. We're about one week away from Christmas, and as I announced last week, we are going to have service here next Sunday, same time as always, 11 o'clock, 11.07-ish, all right, if you're used to being here for some time, uh, we'll have service here. It's going to be a modified service. We'll sing songs, we'll have uh, different scripture readings, uh, we'll pray, and then we'll have a meal together. We'll head up to the cafeteria, we'll have a meal together. So I just want to encourage you to to be here for that. The week after that, on the 31st, we're going to have service here as well, but it's going to be different. We're going to have an open mic and have give you the opportunity to share stories about what has God done in your life. How have you seen his hand at work in your life? Um, it could be in ways that he has provided, answered prayers, or it could be just that it was a really difficult year. And your story, your God story for the year, for 2023, is that he has sustained you and helped you persevere. So just want to encourage you to be there for that as well. All right? On that note, we're going to do what we always do every week. We're going to collect our hearts together before we go to God's word, and we're going to ask God to speak to us through his word. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, we, we believe that this is not just any ordinary moment, but it becomes extraordinary because of the opportunity we have to hear from you, our Creator. You're the one that turns this gathering in a gymnasium and makes it miraculous, Lord. That you, our Lord, our Creator, would speak into our hearts and say the things that we, that you know we need to hear today, God. That will keep us trusting in you, holding on to you, still persevering in the faith, and not giving up. So speak those things to us today. Lord, as we look at this one passage, Lord, you know how it can be uniquely applied into each of our hearts. So do that work, we pray. Speak to us, Lord. I'm just going to ask you to make that prayer your own. Would you just ask the Lord from your heart, maybe as simple as, Jesus, please speak to me. Amen. I want you to think about the different kinds of gifts that you receive during Christmas. And if you're like me, where you grew up and no one really celebrated Christmas, it's probably not going to be that difficult to think of the kinds of gifts. It's nothing, right? Like where my, my parents would say, you got, you got new shoes, you needed shoes, right? Um, so think about the different gifts that you received during this time, and what kinds of gifts stand out to you? People give all kinds of gifts during this time of year, especially if you do like gift exchanges, Dirty Santa, White Elephant, those kind of things. There are gag gifts. Last year, Jothi and I, my wife and I, we had this, like, gift exchange with our family, and we got an ice tray and phone charger. That's what we got. Um, there are surprise gifts attached. When I'm with my family, they'll do random things, like in their gift exchange, they'll have a toilet, po- toilet paper roll that nobody wants, but there's, like, a $100 bill attached to it. And, like, every time you get together, you're, like, fighting for the toilet paper roll just because you're not sure if it has some kind of surprise gift. There are practical gifts, clothes, a vacuum cleaner, a planner. Um, you can't go wrong with gadgets. Like to me, like electronics, if it's electronic, I'll be happy, right? Um, and then there are really serious gifts. Gifts wrapped with significance and meaning. I think of my cousin who received my grandfather's Bible. 
My grandfather was the first person to become a Christian or to come to faith in Jesus in our family. And he became a pastor, an evangelist, and that kind of like set a trajectory for our family's life. And my, my cousin got it. So that's also like a gift that can make you jealous. That qualifies for that too. So, um, But it makes you pause. There's a certain weight to a gift like that. You're struck by its significance. Have you ever given a gift to somebody? Maybe it was somewhat silly or it might have been a practical gift. And they gave you a really serious gift in return. And you're like, whoa, like our gifts don't match, right? Like you gave me a, a, a gift that's filled with significance and meaning. You're, it leaves you speechless and you stagger to make sense of it. That's what this season can feel like. There are all kinds of gifts exchanged during this time of year. And amidst all of those things, gag gifts and toilet paper rolls and practical gifts and even sentimental gifts. This season can feel like that because in the midst of all of that is the greatest gift we've ever received. It's a gift that God gives, which is his own son, Jesus, the son of God. And in the midst of all of that, with all the sentimentality and the things that you should be feeling in Christmas, we stagger to make sense of what this gift means for us to truly appreciate the weight of it. Jesus ought to make us pause. We ought to be struck by the significance of this gift. We ought to slow down to take it all in. For the past few weeks, we've been in a series called The Songs of Christmas, where every week we explore different songs that were sung around the birth of Jesus. So we looked at Mary's song, Last week we looked at the angel song, and today we're going to look at Simeon's song. There's a man named Simeon who sings about the gift of beholding Jesus, the Christ. And from his song, we'll discover how beholding Jesus as a gift is not like any other gift that you're going to receive this year or any of the previous holiday seasons. This serious gift of receiving and beholding his son is a gift that leads us to two things. It's a gift that leads us to rest And it leads us to a response. A gift that leads us to rest and a response. Let's look to the first thing. A gift that leads us to rest. Picking up from verse 25. It's on the back of your bulletin. I'll begin reading. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation or comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him, being Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's us, and the glory of your people Israel. We don't know a lot about Simeon. We're not sure how old he is. We assume he's older because he says he's ready to die. We're not sure how old he is, though. Um, he's a, he apparently isn't a priest or someone who works in the temple. He's just an ordinary, upright man who was led by the Holy Spirit. And he longed to see God's promises for Israel as a nation fulfilled. He wanted to see Israel's comfort because they were under Roman oppression. He wanted to see their deliverance. And he wanted to see God establish Israel and through Israel fulfill God's promise to bless the nations through Israel. 
Now, God fulfilled that in Jesus because Jesus was an Israelite. And through Jesus, people like us, this multicultural community, the nations are blessed through Jesus. God promised him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. And one day, led by the Spirit, he went into the temple. Just got this like prompting to go into the temple. And he goes into the temple. He sees Mary and Joseph, and he sees the baby Jesus. He lays eyes on Jesus and knows that the Lord has fulfilled his specific promise to Simeon. That is, that he had seen the Messiah. You know what he sings? He sings, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can now dismiss me in peace. You said I won't die until I see the Messiah. Now you can dismiss me in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. You know what he's saying? You know what effect that beholding Jesus has had upon him? He's saying, I can rest now. I've seen enough. Like, I've seen everything that I needed to see in order for me to be able to actually go to my grave because I know that everything is going to work out. I can be dismissed in peace because I know that in seeing Jesus, you will do what is right. You will fulfill your promise. You will be faithful to your word. I've seen enough. The gift of beholding Jesus leads Simeon. It gives him the ability to finally rest. What would help you rest today? What would give your heart the ability to find peace? To no longer be restless about whatever is making you restless or anxious or fearful. Regardless of whether you're a Christian, society, you know, you, pe- you know, people who celebrate Christmas, even if it's devoid of Jesus, they promise that the holiday season is an opportunity to rest. And here are the things they'll say. For example, well, you're going to be off work for some time. You're going to get to rest. Your family and friends are going to get together. So it's going to be a time of rest to get refreshed, invigorated again, you know, retreat a little bit. Or you have permission to hit pause on your problems. Don't think about it, right? Have some eggnog. Sing a few carols. Hit pause on your problems. We know it's not true. Like, I don't normally watch Saturday Night Live. Normally I'm in bed by that time, right? Or I'm preparing a sermon. (laughs) But I normally don't watch Saturday Night Live. But last week I decided to watch The Cold Open. And they were re-airing something from 2022 where a few friends gathered together to sing about how Christmas is a vain attempt to hit pause on our problems. So here are some of the lines from that skit, right? It's Christmas, and all of my stress fades away. All the problems and issues and crying and tissues can wait until January, is what it says. (laughs) And then someone asks, wait, you mean you just give your concerns a delay? And she nods and says, it's Christmas. Another one says, oh, you mean block it out all, block it all out? Bury your feelings deep inside where they can't hurt you? She says, yes, because it's Christmas. Another thing is my mental health. My mental health hasn't been great. I wake up at noon, then I fall back asleep around 8. But I can live in a delusional state for it's Christmas. Like, I mean, this is what everybody, they're just telling the truth, right? This is what everybody feels. Like, we're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to bury our problems, right? This is supposed to be the opportunity to rest. But we know, they know, we know it's not true. You can't rest by hitting pause on your problems. It doesn't go away because you decide not to think about it. You can't rest because you distract yourself. It's not about averting your eyes to something that's going to distract you. Rest comes from intentionally fixing your eyes on someone who can relieve the burden that you're bearing. That's the only way to rest. You can't distract yourself. You can't just hit pause on it. You can't just not think about it. You've got to fix your eyes on someone who's going to relieve the burden 
so that you don't have to carry it anymore. To fix your eyes on someone who loves you, who came to save you, who would be willing to give his life for you. That person is Jesus. Beholding him, that gift that he is, leads us to finally rest. Like you're probably approaching this season thinking, okay, I finally could take a break, but I'm telling you, unless you make the intentional decision during that time to fix your eyes on Jesus and all that he is, you are going to be like everybody else who just simply wants to bury it all inside or try to hit pause on it. Like Simeon, beholding Jesus is, is enough for us to say, I can rest now. Now, what burden did he bear? Well, we get a few clues from his song, right? Or what it says here. He wanted to see the consolation and comfort of Israel. That meant he wanted to see God fulfill his promise, all the things that had been spoken all the way back to Abraham, fulfilled for Israel, which is to promise them from their, to deliver them from their sins and make them faithful to God. Like, he knows Israel's history. He knows that if you look back, you could see so many times where generations and generations of people followed and went astray from God. They ended up worshiping other idols. They forgot their God. And many of them, especially devout ones, believed that they were currently in their situation, that they found themselves under the Roman oppression because of their faithlessness. That's what some of them believed. So he knew the, the history of Israel, and so he looked for the promise of a Messiah that would turn people's hearts back to God. To be delivered from their sins and to make them faithful to God. That's a burden that he bore. Another one, right? Deliver them from their enemies. Or the promise to bless the whole world to actually step into their calling and be a blessing to the world. And beholding Jesus was enough to reassure him that God would actually do those things. The things that he promised. God would deliver them. Does beholding Jesus do that for you? Does thinking about Jesus this morning give you the ability to rest? Does it reassure you? If you bear the burden of your own unfaithfulness, like Israel, the burden of a wayward and rebellious heart, or the the burden of sinfulness and guilt and shame, or the burden to be a person who will one day finally be faithful to God, you can rest if you see Jesus. He is your Messiah, your Deliverer. He is your salvation. God has and will surely do it. You can rest if that's the burden you bear today. If you bear the burden for justice, maybe you know the names, specific spaces of people who are exploited. You know how pride and greed and lust for power have wreaked havoc on people, specific people in your life. And you long for the day when there will finally be righteousness and justice in the land. If that's you, if you read the, the news about something this morning, you can rest if you see Jesus because he is our Messiah. He is our salvation. He will surely do it. If you bear the burden of not belonging, if you're a people, if you're a nation and your ethnicity or you're among a, a people who are like the least people in the world, the least of all people, if you're never in a position to behold beauty and glory, you're never invited in into those spaces or to have that kind of seed, you can rest if you see Jesus. He is your Messiah, your salvation, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. That's the world. The people who are not a people are going to be brought in. The people who are on the outside will be brought in and be given a seat at the table where they can have salvation too. They can belong to a king. They can have a seat at the table of a king. What burden are you carrying? I mean, those are just a few of them. 
When you think about the thing that gives you anxiety, that weight upon your chest when you wake up in the morning, the thing that you're tempted to just bury inside, deep inside this season, right? What burden are you carrying and how does beholding Jesus and the fact that God has sent his son give you the ability to finally rest? You may say, well, that's great, Jason, but that doesn't change my immediate circumstance. And that's the issue, right? Many of us feel like the only way we'll ever be able to rest is if we actually see a difference in the circumstances around us. Like if there's something giving you anxiety, some burden that you're carrying, if there's something even in your own heart, and you're wondering, when am I going to be free of this? Like there, there are circumstances that often dictate whether or not you can rest. But I want you to realize what happened here for Simeon. On the way home, he may have seen a Roman soldier abusing somebody, one of his own people. And he would probably hear a story about someone turning away from God. The temple that they gathered in would be destroyed by AD 70. That's the center of their social religious life. That's the heart of Israel. It would be about 70 years after this. And people who put their faith in Jesus just like him, people who put their faith in Jesus as a Messiah, would die violent deaths. But to know that all of that stuff is going to happen and nevertheless say, I've seen enough. I've seen everything that I've needed to see to know that at the end it's going to be okay and God is going to fulfill his promise that there will be justice, there will be salvation, there will be redemption and deliverance. I can sleep in peace. I mean, to even say I can die with faith knowing that you are going to rise again, that it's going to be okay. Like what do you have to behold for you to have that kind of conviction? That I can walk home and see that nothing has changed, but I can have peace. I'm ready to go. God's going to fulfill his promise. He's going to keep his word. It's going to be okay. No matter what happens between now and then, I can rest. I want that kind of peace. I want the gift of seeing Jesus do that kind of thing to my heart. That regardless of what happens between now and then, between that and ultimate salvation and deliverance, when Christ returns, that it's going to be okay. God is faithful. He is sovereign. He will keep his promise and fulfill his word. Despite all the things that would happen, he had seen enough to rest. He had seen the Christ, the Lord who is sovereign. Salvation, belonging, righteousness and justice. The gift of beholding Christ led him to rest. Now, I don't know what you're going to see on your way home. I don't know what call you're going to get. I don't know what news you're going to read or hear about. We don't even know what our hearts are going to be like by the end of this evening. But despite what may happen, may our eyes see the, the salvation that God has granted us and rest. The second thing, it's not only the gift that leads us to rest, but it's a gift that demands a response or leads us to a response. Let's pick up from verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So Simeon goes from singing this wonderful song of seeing God's salvation to this very sobering comment about what it's actually going to mean. And it's not what you think. He mentions four things. First, he says, Jesus will cause people to rise and fall. He's going to have that effect on people. That means some people are going to stumble because of him. 
and others are going to be lifted up because of him. And what you see when you read the Gospels is that's what takes place, is that people, the people who, are stu- who often stumble are very religious. They're religious teachers who love their power, their influence, and they often use God as a means to an end. They don't really care about God. They want God for their own personal gain, whatever that might be. They end up trusting in their traditions, or they trust in their own righteousness and their own morality and the things that they can do. And they meet Jesus, and guess what? They're offended. He causes them to stumble. The people who are lifted up, who see Jesus and have the opposite effect, are those who are prostitutes, tax collectors. That means they defraud people, right? They have a bad reputation in society. The poor, some of who are rich and powerful, but also are humble enough to know that they need Jesus. So I guess the people who rise end up rising because they see Jesus or are lifted up are those who realize that Jesus is their hope. So the first thing that Simeon says is that Jesus, this gift, is going to cause people some, the rising and falling of those in Israel. Some people are going to stumble because of him, and some are going to rise. The second thing is that Jesus will be spoken against. Not everyone's going to love Jesus. Like, there are people out there who say, like, man, I love Jesus. I, lo- I like Jesus. I just don't like Christians. Right? Have you ever heard that? It's not the way Jesus talks about himself. In John 15, you know what he says to his disciples? When the world hates you, know that it's because it's hated me. Like Jesus doesn't walk around with this perspective thinking like, man, everyone would be cool with me and love me if you guys would just get your act together. It's not the way he thinks of it. He says, no, they reject you. If they reject you, it's because they rejected me first. And if you, now, there are Christians clearly that act foolish and are judgmental and critical and, and, and the reputation that they get is probably well-deserved. Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about people who are faithful to God and just because of their allegiance to Jesus, right, people don't like them. And this is Jesus' own testimony about himself, that the world will hate him. They'll be rebellious towards him. People will be offended by Jesus and speak against him. That's what Simeon will say. He's a sign that will be spoken against. The next thing you see that he says is that the thoughts of many will be revealed. And one way to understand that is that Jesus knows the thoughts of people and he'll call that out. Another way to say that is that his teaching will expose our thoughts. Right? It'll bring it, bring it out. Like, what do you really think about what God says about loving your neighbors or loving your enemies? Like, your thoughts are going to be exposed about God, about, his, about the ways of God. Right? Or another way to understand that is that people will have to make a decision about him. Jesus is like a line drawn in the sand, and people will have to show where do they stand. Your thoughts will be revealed. The fourth thing he says here is that Mary will struggle with his choices too. That means while Mary and Joseph may marvel at what Simeon said about everything that Jesus will be, Mary specifically is told that she's going to experience a lot of emotional pain because of Jesus. That likely means that she's going to struggle with some of his ministry choices. The sacrificial choices that he makes, perhaps even to get, be willing to even give his own life. So what am I saying here? In, spite, in all of this, in people's rising and falling, in what they say about him, in their thoughts being revealed, him being like a line in the sand, and even in Mary's own heart, it's like Simeon is saying, Jesus is going to draw your heart out. Here is a serious gift that not only leads us to him to rest personally, but this is the kind of gift that's going to lead people, demand a response from people. That's probably not what you think about during Christmas. Like, you think about how, oh, we're going to think about Jesus, like the nativity scene, warm and fuzzy feelings, have some hot chocolate. Like, you don't think about this time of the year as drawing a line in the sand, your thoughts being revealed, what people really feel about Jesus coming out, coming out right? 
You don't think about that. This is supposed to be the time of the year where people put aside their differences and come together in unity. And listen, I'm not against that. I love that. All of that is good and wonderful. But Simeon suggests here that division is inevitable. Simeon suggests that people are going to be divided about Jesus. There are going to be people who are offended by him. People who will stumble if they really think about the seriousness of this gift. But some who will be lifted up because he is their only hope of salvation. So let me tell you what this is like. I just want you to imagine you're in another part of the world, let's say Texas right now. And you walk out in the Texas winter, which is probably like 100 degrees right now somewhere. And you decide to walk out with two things in your hand. You've got some clay and you've got, some, you've got a candle in your hand. And you, both, you set it on the ground in this hot summer day. You've got some clay and you've got a candle. And you watch what happens to it. And what's going to happen? Well, one of them is going to harden because of the sun. And another one will, will soften because of the sun. The same sun leads them to respond in two different ways. It's inevitable. And so some behold Jesus. What I'm trying to say is some behold Jesus, hear who he is, see his marvelous work, hear about his death, his resurrection. And guess what? They will be hardened by the news. Their thoughts will be exposed. There will be a stumbling. They will be offended. While others will behold Jesus, hear about this message, see his marvelous work, hear his sacrificial death and his triumphant resurrection, and they will be softened by his news. So this here, when you think about the seriousness of this gift that we've been given, it's an opportunity for you and me to think about our response. As you think about this season, as you think about Jesus, do you find your heart hardening to him or softening to him? That's the way we approach this season. Like as you sit here now and think about Jesus, does this news harden or soften your heart? How will you respond to the gift that you have heard and seen? Will you resist him or will you receive him? The only appropriate response, family, is to give your whole life in faith to him. To know that in God giving his son, he has given us enough for us to believe and to rest and to live our whole lives in devotion to him. Because of all the gifts that God can give us in this life, Whatever you may be grateful for this year. You look back at this year and you think of all the wonderful things that might have happened. Of all the gifts that he could give you, there is none greater than Jesus. Nothing makes us richer. Nothing makes us stronger. Nothing gives us more comfort. Nothing gives us greater dignity, worth, and a sense of belonging. Nothing gives us more peace. As I said earlier, he is the most weighty, most significant, most serious gift of all. The kind of gifts that makes us slow down and pause. And we must pause and slow down to make sense of all that he is. To not do so is to belittle the gift that we have. Because he gives us this incredible hope. That someone has loved us to death. Someone has redeemed us and promised us to fully restore us one day. Even from our mortal bodies. Someone will save the world and establish righteousness and justice in the land. Someone will bring those who are far away near to him. And his birth, his death, his resurrection lets us know that it is as good as done. This is a gift that God has given his own son. On this day, this very day, December 17th, we have an opportunity to rest. 
and an opportunity to respond. Let's do that right now.